Hello there friends, this is Spencer Michaud and today we're going to be talking about the full moon lunar eclipse in the first decade of Taurus. Hope that you're doing well out there my friends. It's nice to see you again after a little week vacation. Hope that you've been weathering eclipse season well. We're in kind of the middle of two eclipses, the Bardot period if you will, or the in-between phase as we're transitioning from one chapter of life to another which can be a little disorienting sometimes. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm getting a little bit of the, the fall blahs. You know, there's a, it's cloudy out, it's getting colder. It's kind of, <laughs> you're trying to get your energy up, but we're, we're preparing for the, uh, the, the dark part of the year. or we, we have started the dark part of the year. So we may be slowing down a little bit. We may be going internal for a rest, you know, to recover from some of the activities of the year. So let me know how fall has been going for you so far. Uh, I am recording this on a Mercury Kazemi day. So happy Mercury Kazemi to all of you in the last degrees of Libra. And we've also got a, uh, a couple of squares from uh, Mercury to, and the sun to Pluto today too. So we'll work through a little bit of that. We've talked about that in the past, but uh, let me know if you're having any experiences or stories related to that as well. <clears throat> excuse me i'm gonna welcome a few friends in here and please let me know if you are stopping in please let me know that you're here and say hi and where you're stopping in from we're gonna uh welcome steven the jupiterian from san francisco nice to see you friend hope that you're doing well out there rachel fletcher is here says happy mercury kazimi from the rainy blue ridge mountains of virginia nice to see you there rachel welcome my friend uh, Don Fisher says, hi from Mobile, Alabama. Welcome, Don. Nice to see you as well. Hope that everything's going well down in Alabama. Tracy Gorman is here, says, hi, Spencer. This Leo Sun Libra Rising Gemini Moon is with you from East Greenbush, New York. Oh, nice, Tracy. Well, welcome to the, uh, to the live stream today, and I uh, hope things are going well up there in Greenbush. Uh, Stephen is talking about my 6th and 12th houses will have strong activation in Jupiter and Scorpio at 5 degrees in the 12th house, natal Saturn at 4 in the 6th. Oh my goodness, so you'll have definitely some personal points activated, Stephen. <clears throat> and I will try to break that down for you today as we go over some of the themes associated with the eclipse, but also we will take it through the houses so you can see how it might affect you via your rising sign. Um, we'll take a sneak peek at some of the clips from my Deccan's webinars that are specifically associated with Scorpio and Taurus. Um, this is the last few days for you to be able to get the Libra Deccan's webinar along with the Deccan flashcards and the slides of the talk for 20% off. And uh, <clears throat> a little secret, sorry, I'm getting a little froggy in my throat today. Um, I did put the Scorpio Deccans webinar on sale a little early. So if you've been champing at the bit to uh, take a look at the Scorpio Deccans in pre preparation of Scorpio season, that is available for you as well on my website, spencermichaud.com. Do me a huge favor, friends. Uh, the easiest way to support the channel here is to hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the newsletter. If you want to make a material donation to the work I'm doing here today, there's a little dollar sign in the chat. It's called a super chat or a super sticker, and that goes a long way to helping me keep the lights on here. Another great way to support the channel is to support my beautiful partner, Tanya Andrews, with her magical business, Third Coast Mojo. 
Uh, she has some new products uh, up for the fall. She is starting to make soap. So we have some magical soaps that are uh, for sale in her Etsy account. You can find that in the description of this video here or however you are consuming this today. Um, some Mercury in Virgo soap is available and there should be some Venus and Jupiter ones coming soon. So keep your eye out for that. Pretty cool stuff. Making soap is not as easy as it looks. Uh, I helped out with the process. So there's a little bit of, <laughs> of uh, both of our blood, sweat, and tears uh, infused into that magical soap. Um, but I really believe in in Tanya's ability to uh, infuse things with love and with with magical essence. And if you're looking for something to help get you through the the lonely, darker days of fall, it's a great way to spark your mind, especially on this Mercury Kazemi. Okay. Um, the other thing you can do if you want to support the channel, sign up for the newsletter. That's how I help everybody keep in touch about what we're doing when we're going live. All the offerings that I may have coming up in the future. I am, of course, also available for readings right now as well. So keep an eye out for that. And if you need some extra help through this season, I'd be happy to work with you. Rachel is here. Another Rachel is here. For, says, hello from stormy, cozy Ireland, friends. Lovely to join you for the live again. Spencer, hope that you've had a rejuvenating break away. <laughs> well, you know, I think that a lot of the times in your middle age, vacations uh, from your work <laughs> become an opportunity to catch up on all the chores that you haven't done or all the things that you need to do around your house or whatever. So that was a lot of what we did. Although I will say Tanya and I had a really nice um, one day where we were able to go out to an apple orchard and a pumpkin patch and um, had some nice experiences with some, some, uh, some cinnamon donuts and uh, apple cider, which is really good. It's a place we've been going for, for, whew, man, a little over 15 years now. And this was the first time that we went w without my daughter and my mom, which was kind of strange. And my mom passed last year and my daughter's off of college. So a little bittersweet, I will say, but it was nice to get out into into nature and and uh, have some of those memories. So I hope that you're able to to spend some time with the ones you love in this fall season and go out there and enjoy all of the uh, things that the season has to offer. Thank you so much, Michelle, for your super sticker. I appreciate you. Always so supportive of the channel. Appreciate you being here, my friend. And we will uh, break it down for you, my Capricorn rising friend. Uh, okay, let's see. Who else is here? Who else is here? Aaron says, a fellow Leo rising here from Shelburne Falls, Massachusetts. Okay, well, we'll do the best that we can. For us Leo risings, Libra season isn't always the best. Oftentimes when the ruler of our ascendant is in either it's exile or it's fall it can be a little bit of a challenging period so for leo risings during libra season the sun is in its fall i always just feel a little bit of my vitality getting sapped around this period and i always feel a little bit of a surge during scorpio season so you know uh let's see here aaron if you are feeling a little down you know things are going to change within the next week or so so hopefully you're hanging in there my friend um let's see let's see steven's been seeing Friends and networking with Libra in the 11th house. Very good, very good, very good, Stephen. Trip Wilder the first is here. Says, hey, all, Josh, just checking in on a gray day in, gray day in Maine. Oh, nice to see you, Josh. Um, hope things are going well over in Maine. It's a gray day here in Michigan, so we'll, we'll weather the gray days together. 
Um, yes, Stephen's pointing out that Scorpio season starts on October the 23rd. Yes, it's coming up soon. I'm excited. And yes, soap and candle making is a process, Stephen. <laughs> it's, it's an adventure, but it's fun. And like I said, there's, I'm really happy with how things turned out. They're really beautiful. And there's, you know, some of the magically infused herbs and oils within those soaps. Just a, another way of uh, getting the magic uh on your person, whether it's through a cleansing ritual or through the magical oils, it's all good. <clears throat> Rachel says, it's a nice feeling when those chores do get done. The orchard sounds like a perfect autumn ritual. Important to keep that up. Yeah, I agree. And sometimes, yeah, getting some of those responsibilities off your shoulders is important. It's really, it's nice to be able to feel like you're getting a little caught up, right? Uh, Robin is here, says, hi, Spencer. Excited to see what will happen this, with this lunar eclipse. You and me both, friend. Uh, this is going to be an angular eclipse for uh, Leo Rising, such as myself. So we'll try to break it down for us and see how things are going to be going with the moon in Taurus and the sun in Scorpio. Michelle says, I have Jupiter and Uranus in the fifth. Maybe some new romance. Well, let's see. Let's see, Michelle. Let's see. Maybe a new creative experience as well. A new creative project, Michelle. Either way. If you're looking for romance, though, I mean, who, who knows? Maybe... Uh, Maybe the right person's going to pop up around this period of time. It definitely is a chapter marker, right? Okay, friends, let's start looking at this eclipse and see what we can see. So what I'm going to do, <clears throat> excuse me, is I'm going to pull up the eclipse chart and take a look at a few things first, and then we'll take a look at some of the slides. So we are looking at a full moon, lunar eclipse this time. Remember, eclipses usually come in pairs or in threes, most often in pairs. Sometimes there's a third one around the same season. So we had an eclipse uh, a, a week ago or so within the late degrees of Libra, very close to the south node. Okay, the south node, also known as K2, is sort of a place where energy is leaving the physical plane. So on the last live stream that I uh showed up for with you, I was talking about um, the beginning of an ending and looking at the Libra placement in your chart, the Libra house or the Libra topic and seeing where, you know, things might be starting to releasing some things around that. And what do you need to release to bring you back to harmony and equilibrium, which is one of the themes of the third decade of Libra. What can we do to remain centered? What can we do to return a peaceful kind of energy? and rebalance something? How do we restore right proportion like the spirit nemesis who rules that Deccan? Now, as we move into the full moon of this eclipse season, we've got a completely different type of energetic signature. We've moved out of the Libra-Aries axis with the lights, although the nodes are still there. And now we have a focal point, a big spotlight on the Scorpio area of our chart and the Taurus area of our chart. So this is a shift of focus when we, when we see how this energy is going to come to fruition. So here we have the sun fairly close to the south node and the moon close to the north node. So this is always interesting to me when we have eclipses that are close to the opposing nodes. Um, it's sort of easier to delineate, in my opinion, when the, a new moon is close to the north node and when a full moon is close to the south node. 
because we have generally a, uh, the energy of something coming in at the north node and with a new moon we're planting a seed with a full moon we generally have something coming to fruition okay something coming to light maybe even an ending a peak of some kind of energy and with the the south node we have the energy leaving so it, it is sort of a it's a little bit awkward when we have the reversal. Um, so we were talking last eclipse about the beginning of an ending with a new moon on the south node. And here we have a full moon somewhat close to the north node. So this could be a peak experience. This could be a something coming to light about energy that wants to come in, even though it's a full moon. Okay, so we're, we have the moon in Taurus very close to its degree of exaltation at five degrees of Taurus. The degree of exaltation in ancient astrology was about three degrees Taurus. So a very powerful place for the moon. It is also going to be applying to Jupiter, which I, I like in this chart. Um, we The other main feature that we are seeing is a Mercury-Mars conjunction opposing Jupiter from Scorpio to Taurus and a retrograde Jupiter. So we are probably having a lot of thoughts, a lot of discussions, some of them potentially heated, some of them very intense uh, about how are we merge energy with other people, which is, is some of the significations of Scorpio 2, where we are exchanging either helpful uh, energetic emotions or ones that could potentially be toxic with one another. So we may have to really examine at this clips how we exchange energy with one another and how that is potentially helping or harming our ability to create abundance within our life and healthy routines. Uh, this is where the where Jupiter is placed uh, in Taurus, the second decan of Taurus, speaks towards um, creating abundance through charity, through sharing, through uh, steadiness, through showing up each day and doing just what is necessary to be able to complete the process while also letting nature take over for the remaining portion. It also speaks to themes of balancing work and play. So we may have to have some questions and examinations about how the way that we relate to an intimate partner of some sort or the way that we relate to our desires is either helping us to find pleasure in our life or is maybe distracting us from the work that we need to do. Um, I would say that I've, I've felt both parts of this in my life, having the moon in the second decan of Taurus. Uh, it is a place where I, I really enjoy things like sports, music, entertainment. Um, but there's sometimes in my life where I feel like I'm just working all the time and I am not able to do some of those fun things. There's been other extremes that I've gone to where I feel like I'm just getting distracted by all these pleasures in life and need to just buckle down and get down to it. So this might be one of the important discussions that we're having at these eclipses here with the opposition of Mercury and Mars and Jupiter. Now, the sun and the moon itself are in the first and first decan of Scorpio and the first decan of Taurus. And the sun is like a big spotlight. 
So the sun is going to be shining its big spotlight on an area of the zodiac that's associated with the Five of Cups. The Five of Cups is a, a card that shows a figure, okay, who is mourning in mourning or grief over three spilled cups with two that remain behind. And there are themes of, of being able to identify the sun, bring clarity to, the way that we do or do not get our desires fulfilled. Lots of themes of hunger. Austin Coppock calls this Deccan the jawbone. There is also a spirit associated with this Deccan called the nymphi. The nymphi were these objects of desire that in Greek mythology, a lot of like people would chase down or like, you know, have to, like there's a story of Orion, the hunter chasing down the nymphi and like uh, them trying to escape. So there, there is things that we might be chasing with this eclipse that may be deep instinctual desires. They may be deeply ingrained habits. They may be things that, you know, eventually we realize aren't good for us, right? I feel like a lot of the Scorpio journey, after doing some in-depth uh, research into the, the decanic meanings and all of the kind of myths around those, Scorpio season is a lot about identifying which forms are vital and need to be defended and need to be preserved and which ones need to be released. Now, this is very similar to Virgo season, but it sort of takes on even more intensity in Scorpio season because we feel the anxiety of pending winter and fall in Virgo season, the last uh the last sign of summer and we're really trying to figure out how to how, wh how what are the systems that we need to preserve the the abundance of the harvest and when we get to scorpio season we've we've hopefully taken stock of what needed to be returned to the earth and what needed to be preserved we we're able to evaluate what worked and what didn't and bring things back into harmony and equilibrium hopefully within libra season and then Scorpio season, that's when the, the cycle of decay starts to really accelerate, okay? Really, there's an acceleration of the, of the, the spirit that uh, animated the things that were alive during the previous season starts to leave, starts to separate. Scorpio is a Mars-ruled sign. Mars is a planet that severs and separates. So here we are thinking about how do we sever the spirit, the impetus from a body, from a form that is no longer going to be, provide the necessary, uh, I don't know, ingredients for vitality. Now, this happens every single year. This is something that we often try to ignore in Western civilization, is the periods of contraction, the periods of letting go, the periods of realizing when enough is enough, and we just have to say, okay, I'm done. And we return this to the earth for a future fertility. We have to compost to make sure that the, the soil for the next spring is healthy, okay? If you don't do this, like let's say you, you just try to grow on soil without returning any nutrients to it through death and decay, the crop that you have the next year is not going to be as abundant.
It's not going to be as healthy. It's not going to have as many vitamins. This is something that we are really struggling with right now as we tr we get involved with industrial farming and things of that nature, as we are really struggling with uh, returning nutrients to the earth. You also will see this with the habit that people have of bagging up all of their leaves so that they don't mess up their lawn. When in actuality, composting the leaves and letting them decay is actually healthier for your lawn. You'll have a better looking lawn next spring if you leave the leaves there. You'll also be allowing for beneficial insects that pollinate the flowers and the food that we eat. They'll allow them to have a home over the winter as well. Uh, sometimes what people will do is they'll run the mower over the leaves instead of bagging them up and just sticking them in a compost, uh, sticking them in like a, oh, what is the word I'm trying to think of? Uh, you know, like the dump, taking them away and putting them in the dump, which just, they're all decaying in one space and it's not returning any nutrients to the earth. It's not part of the cycle. It's been removed from the cycle. And that's damaging. And this is true in our own lives as well. This is true metaphorically in our lives. If we don't compost some of the old forms that we may be holding on to out of nostalgia, out of habit, uh, out of just a, a fear of change, those are the t times when we start losing the vitality in our life. So think about that transition from Scorpio to Sagittarius is a severing of vitality from a body for liberation purposes so that we can be liberated to be able to find a new goal, to find a new cycle, to find eventually to find a new body eventually. Okay. So what happens at this full moon? We have an awareness of all those things. We have an awareness of that which is probably no longer serving us with the sun in Scorpio. We are having intense discussions about uh, potentially nostalgic discussions. That second decade of Scorpio is associated with the Six of Cups, which is very, very much about nostalgia and the setting of the sun. It is a solar decade. So think about it as uh, a sepia-toned photograph. This is a, a metaphor I like from Su T. Susan Chang. It talks about the golden hour. We may be looking back fondly on something, but we may need to look back fondly on something to realize uh, a truth and then to move on. Okay, It's not so that we keep revi revisiting it indefinitely. If we keep revisiting things indefinitely and glamorizing the past, that's when we fall into the trap of the third decan of Scorpio, which is where we are trying to separate illusion from truth. And by trying to keep something alive past its prime, past its kairos moment, which is the spirit in that decan, uh, we create more and more challenges for ourselves. They call that decan the Lord of Debauchery, the third decan of Scorpio. And by trying to keep something alive that is no longer vital in our lives, we can do and create gr greater and greater evil. So there is a reason why they talk about death and rebirth in Scorpio. In the Northern Hemisphere, it is a place of where the veil is thinnest between life and death, and where if we go willingly into the next stage of life, we will actually be creating future fertility. Now, what does that mean when it's in an opposition with the moon in Taurus? Well, this is a time where we're aware of what needs to die but also, we may be making plans for the future. Uh, the first decade of Taurus shows two figures in the five of pentacles that maybe have fallen on hard times. 
They are outside of a church in a snowstorm. They are injured or des destitute. And there is a some themes in this Deccan about fear of lack, fear of not having enough, fear of poverty, fear of not having the resources that we need. Uh, the, the challenge and the action that you can take when the not only the moon is here, but when planets are asking for your participation, is learning how to plan for a future so that you can avoid some of the challenges may be present in that card. There's also some themes of this card of like opening up to divine intervention, of being able to receive help from another, whether it's spirit or otherwise. But I think one of the main takeaways I have with that Deccan, which is a Mercury ruled Deccan, okay? The first Deccan of Scorpio is ruled by Mars. It's a Mars Deccan and a Mars sign. It's the most martial of Deccans. We may be feeling the pain and grief of losing something that was important to us at one point in our life, but no longer is serving us in our present. The Mercury ruled Deccan and a Venus ruled sign is about thinking, planning, uh, discussing, how can we prepare for a future abundance? So again, this is going to be a, a challenge about identifying that which is no longer serving us, grieving and mourning that loss properly, ritualizing it. It's important to grieve our losses. We can't just gloss over the fact that we're losing something. It's okay to feel the pain of separation and loss. It's important to do that. It's cathartic to do that. If you just paper it over, it just festers. And we're going to try to balance that awareness with planning for the future, saying, okay, now we know that this isn't serving us anymore. How do we plan for future abundance? Because we have this awareness, now what do we need to do? And how are we going to work together, Mercury and Mars, to make sure that the combinations that we have in our life are abundant, are fruitful, and aren't creating toxicity within our life? Now, the moon is going to be hosted by uh, Venus. And Venus right now is in its fall. Okay, you can see this here. It's in its fall. The sun is co-present with its host Mars. Very powerful. Very, very powerful for identifying what needs to go. Okay. The moon is going to be looking to a host that is in the second decade of Virgo that is all about infusing form uh, spirit into matter. It's a little bit of a awkward combination. Um, Virgo is a sign that is concerned with legacy. It says, what are we going to pass on to the next generation? How do we infuse that into form? And when we have this combination in Scorpio season, sometimes we can be obsessed with how we're creating form uh, how we are going to uh, try to create fertility in a time period that is calling for composting, decay, and letting go. So th that, all, all, that really creates this kind of tension on some level. And v Virgo is ruled by Mercury, which likes to separate things into categories. Venus is a planet that likes to harmonize things. It, it likes to bring things together. It likes to bring things together that have been separated. So we may be trying to create harmony, but in this way that's very mm, 
meticulous, maybe anal retentive, maybe we're trying to control the process too much. And we're coming off of this really challenging set of squares to Pluto. Here's one, one interesting thing that cropped up in the news for me in the last week. As you all know, I'm a sports fan. And I have been paying attention to my favorite basketball team, the Milwaukee Bucks. And recently they traded for a superstar player, Damian Lillard, to go along with their other superstar player, Giannis Adetokounmpo. Now, the Pluto story, the Pluto square, Mercury and Sun story has played out like this in the beginning of the season. The Milwaukee Bucks have a new head coach. His name is Adrian Griffin. And he is a first-time head coach. He's a cancer son with a Capricorn moon. And he, uh, he, he got passed over for a lot of jobs in the past. He's a longtime assistant coach, but he's a brand new coach. He's, he has never been the lead guy before. The Bucks organization brought in an assistant coach named Terry Stotts, who has been a head coach in the past and also was the head coach for Damian Lillard in Portland. So already there's, there's these awkward dynamics of someone who's been a head coach now having to be the number two and already having a relationship with a superstar player that is brand new. And the two of those coaches, uh, it was sort of a forced marriage by the organization, sort of hedging their bets against an inexperienced coach and getting him a, an experienced assistant. Needless to say, there's been tension with the two of them and they couldn't really figure out how to get along. And it came out yesterday that in a practice or something like that, uh, the assistant coach sort of ignored a, uh, a call to come into a meeting with the head coach uh, and start, kept talking to players and kind of undermined his authority. And the head coach was uh, upset, had some strong words, and eventually the assistant coach resigned. So I, I tell that story because it's an example of the, the power conflicts that we may have gotten into in the past week with the squares from Libra trying to you know, come to a new relationship understanding, conjoining the South Node, right? The ending of a relationship potentially. Like they were trying to start a relationship, okay? To start this, this head coach, assistant coach relationship, but there was an eclipse on the South Node, a new moon on the South Node. So it actually was the beginning of an ending. They had to kind of go their separate ways. And it was coming into square with Pluto, which is in Capricorn, trying to figure out who's the boss? How are we going to run things? And, you know, I'm curious if, if that, that type of energy and type of story has manifested within your own life as well. Because we can see it just in a lot of different forms. And I would imagine as well to... Uh, two men who have been in positions of authority in the past or are trying to establish themselves in a position of authority with Capricorn moons, with Pluto right on the moon, it might be difficult for them to come to some sort of consensus about uh, who is in charge of what. So that's one example. I know it's one that not everybody is, you know, no, not everybody cares about sports, but I thought it was something that was very interesting talking about power plays and power dynamics. Also seeing this play out in Congress and, and things of that nature with trying to elect a new Speaker of the House and we've got all the things going on in the in the Middle East. Um, and I don't want to dwell on, on those particular things because to be quite honest with you, it's just, it's just too depressing and I, I don't have great answers for how all of that should work out. Um, I do have more opinions about sports where the stakes are much lower. 
So <laughs> if I'm not trying to ignore those challenges, I just am pleading my uh, helplessness around it to to make those changes and to and maybe even to understand some of the dynamics with all of it, where it is very very complicated. And honestly, it's kind of sad. It's just very unfortunate um, what's going on in both of those situations. Okay. Let's see here. We've got a few more people stopping in. Let's see if we can lighten the mood here a little bit. Uh, Steven says, it definitely is a Mercury square Pluto day. Stay open-minded. Not the best time to be on one side of an argument at this time. I agree with that, Steven. And that's why I'm, I'm kind of trying to stay impartial in a lot of these more macrocosm issues because I just feel like there's a lot of complexity with all of it. And I, I don't think I know enough about the ins and outs of all of it to make a strong opinion either way. All I know is that it, it's painful and that it's very sad. And I just feel, uh, I feel a lot of sadness around it. And that's, I think I've been absorbing that all week and I've just been in this malaise all week with like the news and things like that. And hopefully it will start to pass as this uh, aspect starts to separate. Carolina Zerpa says, hello from Barcelona, Spain. Nice to see you, Carolina. Looking forward to the eclipse in my 10th house. Um, yeah, I have an eclipse in my 10th house here too, Carolina. So we'll see what, what happens for us Leo Risings here. Luna Storm is here. Says, hello, Al Spencer. I hope you had a nice break. I did have a pretty nice break. It was nice to spend some time with my partner. Um, there's a lot going on. So we're, we're kind of trying to parse out through some, some challenges and find out what our next steps are in our own lives. And there's a little bit of anxiety around some of that. But I think that when you are able to, to get a clear overview of things, it's good. And a lot of times during the middle of two eclipses, things feel a little bit unmoored, unsettled. It is that, that Bardot period I was talking about is it's a liminal space where we're in between chapters and that feels foggy. There's a little bit of fog around it. There's a little bit of uncertainty. A lot of it is because the new, the, the new story, the new security hasn't materialized yet. We're in transition and, and that's an uncomfortable feeling for a lot of folks. So I, I would say that, that if you're feeling that today and in the next few weeks, it's normal. Uh, we are going to also be having some void of course moons that preceded each eclipse, just like we had a, a three or four day void of course period that preceded the, the new moon solar eclipse. We will have a, a three or four day void of course, Hellenistic void of course period that precedes this eclipse as well. So we're really giving an, be, being given an opportunity to clear the decks and clear our heads before we get all of the, the download of information that these eclipses will provide. And I, and I will also say that eclipses seem to be more faded experiences, right? Some things that are not always completely within our control. Yes, our actions have probably led to a lot of these circumstances over time. But again, this is sort of the kind of the the reset on some level from the universe. Steven says, the Lorax will come after you if you don't compost. Yeah, Steven. Yes, it's true. Composting is important. Just, you know, leave, leave some spots with the leaves on your yard. Leave some spots for all those beneficial insects that help pollinate the flowers that turn into our food. 
Uh, if you really need to, to clean it up, run the lawnmower over the leaves rather than bagging them up. It's a lot less work. It's a lot healthier for the grass. It's just, uh, it's just much better all around. Uh, Yevgen is here. It says, hey, Yevgen here. Happy, happy fire ring. <laughs> it's reminded me of some Johnny Cash, the ring of fire, right? On Solar Eclipse in Libra, I got my first jury duty letter. Oh, that's a good Libra eclipse uh, kind of a manifestation. As Libra rising, I will get a whole new level of experience. Hope it won't be boring. Well, good luck with that, Yevgen. I know that that's, sometimes that can be stressful, but also maybe it'll be educational. You know, it's it fits very well with the Libra and the scales of justice and being able to have a new experience within that. And I believe... Yevgen, are you, uh, oh yeah, you're Libra rising, right? Libra rising, yeah, you just said first house. Okay, yep. I was thinking Capricorn rising, but that's your son. Um, so yeah, with the first house, you really feel that you have to be the, the arbitrator of justice as an individual, right? Rather than maybe seeing the balance play out within a different house or through maybe something on the peripheral right, instead of individually. Uh, Lisa is here, says sun, moon, Sun, Mars, Neptune in the first decan of Scorpio, Mars in the third decan. I really relate to what you're saying. Yeah, Lisa. Um, I, I've been having a lot of talks with some friends that have prominent Scorpio placements and being able to identify the things in our life that we hunger for and the desires that we have difficulty getting met is really important in the first decan of Scorpio. There may have been a situation when you were younger where you really wanted something, but there was something blocking that. And then in our adulthood, sometimes we overcompensate by, by turning towards things that aren't necessarily healthy for us to try to fill that hole and fill that, that gap that we, that we didn't get when we were younger. Um, and that can be really painful. I've, I've seen a lot of Scorpio stories about struggling with addiction. And eventually, if, if we get um, the help and the healing that we need, it, there is a complete rebirth after some of those experiences and they can be really amazing success stories. I will say this too, like, I don't think there's any mistakes in the universe. I think that we're, we are shaped by the experiences for a reason. So I, I think that if you've had some of those experiences, um, they've hopefully made you stronger and hopefully given you an opportunity to shape your character around them. And this eclipse is going to be another opportunity to shape our characters. Luna says, I mow my leaves over with the lawnmower, much easier than bagging. Amen to that, my friend. It is so much easier. It's so much less work. It's less um, less stress on the, 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 the city dump or the county dump or whatever it is. It's much better for the, the soil and the grass. If you want to have a healthy lawn, it's, it's actually better for your lawn. Michelle says, this is my natal node placement. I feel change, but nothing yet. Yeah, we're still in the middle of it, Michelle. We're still kind of living through it. So one thing that I think that is fairly positive is even though the ruler of the, the, the moon in this chart is in its fall, it is trying to the, to the lunation. And the moon is in its exaltation. So it is a very powerful place for the moon. Um, it's a, I think for me, I would say that this is a powerful time for identifying that which you need to let go of and then taking the additional steps to have important conversations with people that you are deeply emotionally invested with and try to plan for your future. 
so that you can plan for future fertility and abundance. Again, it may, it may manifest as downsizing. It may manifest as letting go of something that isn't serving you anymore. But by letting go of something that's creating a lot of stress for you, that could lead to future fertility. Okay, wealth is not just about um, your bank account. You know, health is wealth. Uh, being able to release stress and let live a stress-free life is is wealth. So, if you're creating too much stress trying to manage your material things or trying to preserve something that really just needs to be let go of, I mean, that can create more hassle than it's worth. And you'd be surprised at how much of a load off your shoulders it can be when you let, learn to let go of that. Okay. Stellar rendition is here. It says I just mowed the leaves uh, for years. My neighbor's not so happy about that, but I do it for the homies. Uh, <laughs> good. Well, who the fuck cares about what your neighbors think, Stella? That's what I'll say to that. If you're trying to do something to save the planet and to do something good for the 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 insects and for the the food systems of the world, I say fuck them. That's how I feel about it. I kind of have little patience for for neighbors who complain about uh, something that doesn't have any effect on them whatsoever and actually is helping to preserve them uh, against the ravages of, of time and nature and, and doing something to help. So again, <laughs> I don't have a lot of patience for people who make uh, cosmetic decisions that are go against the natural order of things and then complain when other people uh, are, are not necessarily falling into line with their delusions. So I hope that that will help strengthen your resolve, Stella. <laughs> that's, Stella says, that's what I say to them, not to their face though. Amen. Yes. You don't have to make it a direct confrontation, but in the back of your mind, you'd be like, fuck those dudes. <laughs> like I'm doing something for the planet. And I, if it's something we believe in and if it's something that is actually backed by by science uh go for it man like i i i'm with you on that and you can know in the back of your mind that at the end of the day they'll just get over it i mean what are you you're, what are you doing just mowing the leaves into your lawn like they need to get over that i'll get off my soapbox now i feel really passionate about stuff like this though when people make asinine decisions that are detrimental to the health of the planet based on some bullshit cosmetic reason and then give other people shit for actually trying to do something good, I just get really irritated about it. So I'm totally with you on that, Stella. And hopefully we can, you know, I don't know, band together and mow the leaves into our yard. <laughs> Cheers to you, Fred. All right, back to it. So what am I going to do now? I am going to stop my share and I'm going to retain my equilibrium <laughs> get so fired up about uh issues like that that's one of my triggers is when people make stupid decisions um that are detrimental to the health of the planet i get really fired up about that and then you start to see my leo 3 standing my ground fighting off the haters type of thing going on steven says my fellow march 2nd born author, Dr. Seuss, would have a lot to say about the environment. Yeah, right? <laughs> Dr. Seuss was an amazing environmentalist and had put some really, really mature themes into children's books 
that taught an entire generation or multiple generations about the importance of preserving this planet against the forces of like late stage capitalism, the forces of pollution, forces of abuse of resources. So I am all about it. Lorax was an incredible book and, and I, you know, was really inspired by it as a child myself as well. Okay. So friends, let's take a look at, I'm just briefly going to show you some of the clips from this Deccan webinar. This is the Deccans of Taurus. Uh, here is, you see that the image that I was describing with the five of pentacles, with the figures that have potentially fallen on hard times. Um, some themes that we've talked about, but we'll go in further into depth here. Plowing the fields, cultivating the land. Like this is what Austin Kopic talks about in his, his book, 36 Faces. He calls this deck in the plow. So getting, preparing for our, our future, preparing for future abundance. Uh, Gavura and Asya, which is, is a, related to the Kabbalistic tree of life. Gavura is a Mars Sephira. And the Sephira is sort of like a chakra energy center. It's hard to describe in, in, uh, and make comparisons to other systems, but uh, it is something that shows us our limitations. So we may be become aware of our material limitations at this, this full moon as well, this eclipse. So we may be worrying over having enough. A lot of times I have clients with Taurus One placements, my beautiful partner included, she has the moon at pretty much the exact degree of this eclipse. And a, a lot of the decisions and choices that they make are because they don't want to end up in this situation like that we see in the Five of Pentacles. So there's, there's, there's hard workers in this area of the Zodiac. And a lot of it is, is because of this kind of anxiety about having enough. So worry over resources, poverty, consciousness, and scarcity mindset. We, we'll have to uh, work through our fears of that. And like I said, the solution is to make a plan. You really have to plan and be aware of what you do and, and do not have. It's a great time to have a, a, a really like a quote-unquote come-to-Jesus discussion about your budget around this period of time. Planning ahead to forestall trouble. This is another uh, way that we can utilize the mercury energy with, within this decade. Prepare, preparation for insemination. Okay, so this could be another point where we're seeing things come to a head where our preparation maybe is paying off on some level. So questions you could ask yourself at this eclipse. What resources do you possess? What plans do you need to make? Can you turn anxiety into action? Okay, that's, a, that's an important one, especially with Venus and Virgo. How can you create new opportunities? Rather than just letting life happen to you, how can you prepare for the new start? Oftentimes, and I feel this acutely, there are a lot of times in my life where I want to make changes. And uh, the moment just isn't right for those changes yet. And sometimes I'll get really frustrated because I can't immediately change what I want to change. Oftentimes, <laughs> oftentimes those, are, those are the days I get lost on Zillow, being like imagining my pastoral farm woods, you know, life where I'm like, oh, there it is. There's, there's my dream or <laughs> whatever. Um, but there's so many steps before you have to get to that place that you can prepare yourself for when the moment is right. And I think that that's something I've really tried to take to heart as I've gotten older is say, if the moment isn't right to take an action right now, how can I prepare myself to be able to, 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 be able to take advantage of the opportunity when the moment is right? And that brings us back to a point of empowerment. Okay, you might not be able to move all the way forward, 
but you might be able to, to grease the wheels, so to speak. Okay. Uh, so that's where we can turn anxiety into action. E even on some level, here's, here's an example of this. Let's say that I want to move and I sort of do, and we'll see if it happens or not. One action that you could take instead of fantasizing all day long on Zillow. Okay. I'm, I'm calling myself out here. One action that could be taken if, if you are in a similar circumstance is recognizing that if you do want to move, that you will have to get rid of a lot of stuff in your attic, basement, house, etc. So one action that you could do if the house of your dreams isn't there to be purchased and moved into tomorrow is just start getting rid of some of the stuff that you may have to move if you decide you need to move. That is preparing for an abundant future by letting go. You see that? See how we can do we can do something there's always i think there's an action we can take sometimes being still and the discipline that it takes to be still is an important quote unquote action as well this is something that i ching teaches us is that we want to be prepared for future fertility we want to learn when to be still and when to move uh, so how can you create new opportunities you may have discussions really deep emotional intense discussions about that in the coming weeks how can you overcome inertia and idleness? This is one of the Taurus challenges is overcoming inertia and being able to move that thousand pound animal, the bull, right? Sometimes it's really hard to stop when you are uh, a, a bull, right? So it's all about knowing when to stop, trying to get things moving. Oftentimes Tauruses, once they get moving, phew, you're not going to get in their way. They want something, phew, watch out, okay? Like I, I get like this. I sometimes have trouble initiating a project, but like, like for example, in my yard, if I, if I, once I've started, I'll sometimes look up and it's like 10 hours later and I'm just like, I have to get this done. Like there's no way I'm stopping until this is done. I can't have it left unfinished. And that's part of my Taurus move, right? Um, but you got to learn to pace yourself a little bit with Taurus placements. Uh, where do you need to cultivate your common sense? That's another important issue with Taurus and especially the first decade is, is common sense, practical knowledge, Mercury decan in an earth sign, practicality of how to create for future fertility. Uh, Aya, Aya Sawada is here. Hello, Aya. Nice to see you. How are you, friend? And Sarah Renee Marshall is joining us. Says, hey, Spence. Nice to see you kind folks gathered here. Hugs from Portland in this challenging week. Yes. Nice to see you, Sarah. Nice to see you, Aya. Welcome. Um, yeah, we're we're going through it. We're going through the the muck right now. We're going through the <laughs> the uh, the stinky part of the of the eclipse cycle. We're going through that decay part where we're recognizing things that aren't working. But again, that awareness will lead to to the change that we need, probably to get us out of a stagnant situation. Now, I'll just show you real quick. The, the same slide from the Scorpio part so that you can get an idea of the differences between this, the, the two things we're trying to balance during eclipse season. And it's not always easy to do, right? During full moons, it's sometimes it's very difficult to reconcile these opposites. And we, we may not have a good solution. We may have to be able to hold the paradox and hold the duality. Okay, that's really important, I think. This is something that my astrology teacher from Nightlight really hammered home, Adam, Adam Elmbos, is that 
Oppositions don't always have to be solved. Sometimes we just have to hold them and say, you know what? We're being pulled in a couple different directions. There's maybe there's a blockage here. Maybe we just have to wait it out. Maybe we just have to accept that one part of our life is going to be composted and, the, and in another part of our life, we need to start planning for our future fertility. So themes with Scorpio 1, where the sun is right now, hunger, starvation, grieving losses, pursuit of intellectual, of instinctual, excuse me, desires. You know, because Scorpio is related to the yin Mars and Mars is, is associated with the lunar sect. It's all about things that are buried very deep within us that may not even be conscious. We want to bring those things to the surface. A lot of the actions that we take to fulfill our hungers and desires, they don't come from the rational part of us. They come from the, the very deeply recessed part of our, our mind and spirit and our, our body, our body in particular. Uh, difficulty and fulfillment, disappointments, bitterness, uh, but also fasting and asceticism. Okay, this could be part of what we are doing as well. So what do you desire? Is the pursuit of your desires healthy? What forms in your life are decaying? Which ones are no longer bringing you vitality? Which shadow energy is operating behind the scenes and how can you make it more conscious? How can you ritualize your grief? And then finally, how can you shift towards gratitude? We don't want to skip over the grief part. Okay, we want to acknowledge our losses. We want to remember that which has come before, let the tears fall, let, let those emotions go without holding on to them. This is when Scorpios can be at their, their most destructive is when they're holding on to old feelings. And th those feelings, they can not just anger. It often is anger, but anger is often a disguised form of sadness. So if we hold on too tightly to our sadness, if we hold on too tightly to old uh, attraction, love, etc. Um, not that we shouldn't stop, you know, that we shouldn't love people after they're gone. We can definitely do that. But we need to make sure that we're relating to that love in a healthy way that is uh, reflective of our current reality. So shifting towards gratitude, you can see that theme in the card here with the three spilled cups and we mourn that loss. But when we shift towards the two cups that still remain, that will lead the cloaked figure to the bridge that will lead us across that river of sadness or emotions or tears or whatever to the castle of fulfillment in the background. Okay, so oftentimes we are always pining for that which we do not have. Whereas a lot of times Taurus, Taurus energy, there's an energy of just feeling satisfied of like, mm, oh, this is good enough. <laughs> you know, like this, it may not be everything I want, but I'll just, uh, I'll take what comes, right? It's a, the energy of Venus, which is the good fortune that, that comes to you without you really even having to do anything about it. So having to balance out pursuit of a desire and then just letting things come to you could be part of this eclipse as well. Now, we talked a little bit about the nodes here, and I'm going to come back to that in a second before we do the uh, take it through the houses, but I want to take a minute to stretch out here at about the hour mark here. It's important to pay attention to our bodies to stretch out. This is a great opportunity for all of you to make sure that you've liked and subscribed uh, the video and, and subscribed to the channel. Please, if you haven't already, sign up for my newsletter. That'll help you keep in touch as far as when new classes 
new offerings, new Third Coast Mojo stuff's coming out, uh, new live streams, new collaborations. Um, it's important to stay current with all of that. And make sure that you go support Third Coast Mojo. They're, my partner, Tanya Andrews, has some new products in her Etsy shop. You can find that in the description of this video or podcast. Uh, and uh, she has some new soaps. She has Mercury Soap. Mercury in Virgo. Exalted Mercury Soap, which is pretty cool. I helped make it. It was uh, an endeavor. It's fun. It's like, it's like clear with like all these magical herbs in it. It's really cool. Cool looking. It's all natural soap. There are some, we have some honey soaps coming. Yeah, it's a fun experience. Okay. Let's get back to it. One little thing I wanted to share that has been working well for me physically is walking backwards. I've been walking backwards on some of my walks and walking backwards up the stairs within reason, holding onto the rail so that you don't hurt yourself. But there's uh, if you have any knee problems or hip problems, it, it engages all these different muscles. Uh, and it's been really relieving a lot of like old knee pain that I've been having um, from like an old like ACL scar tissue surgery and things like that. Check it out, you know? Sometimes when we challenge our bodies and our brains to do something outside of our normal activities, that can spark something uh, regenerative. And that can be part of the Scorpio journey as well as being able to lean into the crisis rather than just going along with something in that Taurus type rut like we might be doing. Okay. All right, my friends. Let's take a look. Before I go into the, share my screen again. Just one more other thing I wanted to make sure that I pointed out. You know, we've got this North Node hanging out in the, the last degrees of Aries. And it's moving backwards through Aries right now. So there are desires for independence. There are desires for bringing people closer to our way of seeing things in the third decan of Aries. This is a place where we're trying to win over other people through our charisma, through our sense of humor, through all of those things. So part of the solution to creating some of the abundance that you are desiring could come through a new idea, through selling that new idea to someone and getting them on board with your, your vision. Okay. You don't want to take that to too much of an extreme. Okay. Sometimes the North Node is a hungry, severed head of a dragon that can never be satiated or satisfied. So we do have to work with others on some things. Um, but again, there, there could be a, a desire for personal sovereignty and independence around this time as well. Rachel says, I live by a wonderful beach and I love running or walking backwards on the sand. Uh, face facing back to the sunset very freeing Ooh, rachel so you already have been starting to enjoy the benefits of backwards walking <laughs> well we have so many weird little quirks to this show <laughs> like all these little that's good though we have people who show up at each week and uh we're gonna have so many inside like 
jokes and knowledges. I think it's, it's fun. Okay, so friends, I am going to take this through the houses for you, the eclipse. So I hope that we've gotten an a, a overview of the eclipse, okay? Remember, these are supercharged new and full moons. So this is, this is going to be potentially a, an intense ending, but also one that leads to increase because it's close to the North Node. Again, we have sort of a paradox happening with that. Um, okay, so I'm going to start with Scorpio this time since we're examining a Scorpio eclipse and Scorpio rising, you are going to be experiencing an angular eclipse, okay? And what that means is that it's in either your first, seventh, fourth, or tenth house. And, and Hellenistic astrologers put extra emphasis on feeling an angular house personally in your life or transits within it or to it. So Scorpio rising you may have an awareness, the sun, of a personal desire or hunger that you have difficulty getting met. You may have to have some really intense, difficult conversations about what you want and how that meshes with the needs of a partner. Uh, you may have some very fruitful conversations with your partner about discussing your plans together for creating abundance and harmony and future fertility. It could be some tension between that Mercury, Mars, and Jupiter. You know, Jupiter especially is ruling the second house of personal finance, okay, and the fifth house of create personal creativity uh, or children or things of that nature. Could be some intense discussions about what to pay, how to, you know, budget for your either your entertainment or pleasure needs or if, like for your children if you have them or something of that nature. And then we're going to see Venus hosting the eclipse from the 11th house. So there could also be some issues around uh, the groups that you're a part of playing a role within this, like trying to bring something into being within a group, but there's tension between your viewpoint and another person's viewpoint, and you're going to have to balance out that that paradox between those two competing desires. Um, the other thing that I think is really important to examine is that Saturn is going to station direct very shortly after this eclipse. So I do want to just point that out and to make sure that you're aware of that because we are going to be seeing uh, movement again in the Saturnian or wherever Saturn is in your chart, okay? So for Scorpio rising, Saturn's going to station direct in your fifth house. So this is something, like I said, this is going to be where you're starting to really get clear about what you need to feel uh, pleasure, joy. There could be an issue with, like I said, with a child that where you're starting to see it movement once again. We've had to examine with Saturn in the first decade of Pisces, which mythologies that we accept as the fabric or the connective tissue of our reality are realistic and which ones aren't. So there could be some dreams that you have around your personal creativity and you may have to let go of some of them.
but you also may see some other ones start to manifest in reality when Saturn starts to station direct once again. Um, another thing to consider, just as something that could be happening shortly after the eclipse, is we have a, a Venus-Uranus trine that is going to happen shortly after, around Halloween as well. So we could have some really innovative solutions that we come up with uh, that will be uh, very practical after the eclipse happens. Okay, whoops. Let's go back to that. Sorry, that was the wrong button. Let's go to Sagittarius rising. So Sagittarius rising. Your eclipse is going to be in the 6th and 12th house axis. Okay. And this is a, an axis that is concerned with oh, solitude, rest, self-undoing, secret enemies, um, work that we do that we don't get a lot of credit for, that's just a, a grind. Okay, it's things that are pulling us away from either personal empowerment or a sense of completion or harmony within a relationship even. So there's probably an awareness for Sag rising right now uh, with the things and the desires that may be keeping you in bondage, that may be disempowering. Uh, and there will be uh, some clarity, hopefully, around the work that you need to do to loosen those bonds and loosen those chains. Um, you may have something come to a head with someone that, that works for you as well. Uh, somebody who you've hired to perform a service for you could be another another way to, to look at this. You could also be making plans to do do work, right? There could be things where you're trying to get you, your this period of solitude is coming to an end and it's time to get back to work, Sagittarius. And especially with Saturn moving direct in your fourth house, whatever that domestic issue is that has been in limbo for a few months is going to start moving forward once again. Okay, the reality check about your living situation, etc. You've got Venus hosting from the 10th house. So this is uh, bringing, bringing you significations from your career like uh, this is this is a little it's a tough position for Venus to be in because you're trying to to it's bringing you opportunities within your career but they may not be as fruitful as they would normally be if it was Venus in one of her domiciles they may be there may be compromises that have to be made within that okay um, the ruler of your ascendant Sagittarius rising is going to be opposed by Mercury and Mars as well, Jupiter. So again, hang in there because Jupiter is going to station direct on December the 30th. So you've got some time to review how you do your work and the people that you work with. Uh, but there may be some really intense conversations that you need to have behind the scenes about how you create abundance within your life and, and the people that you are merging energy with and if they are right for you or not. Okay. All right. Let's keep going. Capricorn rising. Yes, Dina, we are rumbling. She says, let's get ready to rumble. Okay. 
so Capricorn rising is having a full moon in their fifth house over the 11th and 5th house axis. The moon is going to be hosted by Venus in the ninth house. And we are going to see eventually Saturn turning direct in the third house. Okay. So there could be an awareness of and some grief around losing a community that was important to you or that has been your your community over the past however many years, months, etc. Uh, so that you can pursue some more personal desires, so that you can pursue something that is more in alignment with your own personal creativity. You may have to let go of the, the, the way that you've merged with other people in the group. Uh, this eclipse previously was in your 10th house with the south node there as well. So the beginning of an ending, potentially. Um, we've been talking about our cap rising friends, maybe potentially changing careers, changing jobs, releasing an old uh, job. And when we release an old job that we've been in for a while, sometimes we're losing the relationships that we have grown accustomed to. Some of those relationships are, are probably good. Others of them, we're probably ready to let go of, you know? And here's the thing, you let go of the, the relationships that aren't serving you anymore and, and you're creating room for new ones. So that can be a way to, to deal with this as well. There could be some challenging feelings about, you know, what it all means for you as well with the Venus in the ninth house. Could be some, some anxiety about your belief systems that come up, especially as you're transitioning from one particular set of responsibilities to another and, and really changing your daily habits and routines. Saturn is the ruler of your ascendant, and it's going to be stationing direct in your third house. So this could mean that you are getting realistic about your daily routines. The third house is about short journeys, about the, the errands that you take every day. Like think about all the preparations you have to make when you go to your job or when you do your errands or how you arrange your day. Some of those may have been under review lately, and they will start to move forward and new patterns will start to solidify as you as saturn starts to move forward on november the fourth so hang in there cap rising you got really hit pretty hard by this last eclipse especially now with the the sun mercury conjunction um squaring pluto in your first house probably some difficult conversations with authority figures or or people that you work with that you are uh, trying to to be on a team with there could be some corruption that's exposed around that and that might be part of what's leading to wanting to leave and wanting to create a new start. So hang in there. Uh, try to make plans as best you can. And um, the good news is, is that the ruler of your ascendant's going direct pretty soon. And it's the ruler of your second house. So if there's been money issues that have been held in check for a while, this is a, a great time for the money part of that to start moving forward too. That should be music to your ears, Capricorn Rising with the second house ruler stationing direct once again. Also, the the exaltation, I'm sorry, the, uh, the exaltation ruler of your ascendant, which is Mars, is, going, is very powerful as well. So this is an empowering time for you. You let go of the old uh, way of doing things that will bring you a sense of empowerment. And then finally, Pluto is going to leave that first house 
uh, in the beginning of 2024. So a lot of the changes will have been made and you're a new person and, and that's good. That's a good thing. Okay. Let's keep going. Okay. Steven saying the solar eclipse on the 14th at my midheaven in Libra at 14 degrees, preparing to get back to the grind. Sagittarius rising. Yes. It's good. Good. Good thing to do, right? You got that full moon in the sixth house there, uh, friend. Okay. Aquarius rising. So Aquarius rising is another fixed sign which means that we are going to be dealing with an angular eclipse. So this one's going to be more intense and more personal for you, Aquarius rising, than it would be potentially for some other signs. Um, we have the sun in the 10th, uh, bringing us an awareness of maybe a loss in our professional life or a, a form that needs to be composted in our professional life an ending potentially. Grief, feeling the grief around that. Uh, but this is going to be leading to maybe a new start or, or plans that we need to make around our domestic situation. Maybe there's a situation where you're having to reduce your uh, outer world participation to be able to provide support for your family or something of that nature. I've, I had a a client recently and having a sim similar situation like this where they were releasing a job or a public persona to be able to be more present for their family and there's a lot of uh there's a lot of feelings that come with that but there's a lot of um there's a lot of grace to that as well there's a lot of acceptance of a situation and a lot of uh i don't know that's something to me that's something as a cancer sun taurus moon i applaud that type of effort when you realize that you have to make sacrifices for, for the family, that shows in strength of integrity, I think, especially if it's someone who needs you. So I, I applaud those types of efforts for you, Aquarius Rising. Um, keep in mind, Aquarius Rising, that you also are going to have Saturn stationing direct in your second house. Uh, that's the ruler of your ascendant. So maybe there's some money challenges that start to un, unravel and unfold for you. Uh, and start to things might start moving forward with that as well. Probably really important to get clear about how you are going to support yourself, especially if you're losing some of the uh, outer world support. Like for example, if like let's say you have to become a caretaker for an, a family member or something like that, you there are certain uh, things that you can apply for that will help you to receive receive resources for for being a caretaker. That's one example of how something like that could play out. So make sure that you do the hard work to do that if that's you know something like your situation. Um, Venus is going to be in, in hosting the moon in the eighth house. So there's probably a lot of plans that are going to need to be made about how to take care of uh, one another and like how, how you're going to be organizing your shared resources potentially. Um, so yeah, have a, recognize that there are no insignificant things that we do in the world, I think. Um, that scale is not something that the universe is particularly concerned about. 
I'm, I'm saying this because being able to make sacrifices for a domestic situation uh, of your, I don't know, whatever your outer world life is, doesn't make anybody less of a person or, or, or any less of a member of society. Like sometimes the, the, the real work and dharma that we have to do isn't as visible as it, as it might be in other people's lives. It doesn't mean it has any less meaning or importance. And I think that's really important to, to hear when you're faced with a situation where you're grieving the loss of uh, status in the world or, or visibility. Um, that as long as you can look yourself in the mirror and being able to understand that you're doing what is right, uh, hopefully that is enough to be able to keep you going. And a lot of the times Aquarius Risings will have to do things that are altruistic, that will have to do things that they don't get a lot of credit for, but are still the right thing to do uh, because it is part of their, their journey of integrity. So hang in there, Aquarius Rising. And um, you got Pluto coming pretty soon too, so that's going to be completely a, a change of, of uh, you know, persona, role, potentially, how you see yourself in the world. A death and rebirth of your own character is coming, and I wouldn't fear that as well. I think it's definitely, there will be challenges around it, but there's also treasure and gifts to be gleaned from that as well, okay? All right, friends. So Pisces rising. Pisces rising. Pisces rising has the sun in the ninth house opposing the moon in the third. And here we have it hosted by Venus in the seventh house. We are going to see Saturn stationing direct in your first house. So Pisces rising is getting some changes here. Um, this could be something where you are aware of something that needs to be composted or changed or released in your belief system. It could be like through the legal system. It could be through higher education or a religious organization or belief system that you're a part of that's orthodox. Um, it could lead to an increase in your trusting your own uh, individual intuition over needing to mm, sit at the feet of a of a guru or a master or something of that nature. Oftentimes, ninth house matters speak towards the wisdom that we glean through a teacher or through an organized system of belief. And the third house can often reflect a intuitive belief. Uh, they call that the house of the heretic as well, like because it is a place where, and I mean that in the most positive sense, someone who challenges the, the orthodox system. So maybe you're starting to really trust your own intuition over needing to be told what to believe. And this can really help you with Saturn moving forward in your first house to really to get clear about who and what you are, right? You've, you've had Neptune in the first house, and that's sometimes that can dissolve a sense of self. It can lead us into situations where we dissolve ourselves to be part of something greater than ourselves, which is also probably a Piscean desire, the desire to merge with consciousness itself. 
Uh, but sometimes that can be healthy and sometimes it's not. So getting clear and a reality check about, about your life and your, and your beliefs could be part of this eclipse. And there could be some, some truths that you have to examine about your relationships and your partnerships as well, uh, which is, is feeding that, that realization potentially. Okay. Okay. Let's move on to Aries rising. Okay, Aries rising. Aries rising has the sun in the eighth house and the moon in the second. So this could be something coming to a head regarding the resources that you share with another person and maybe needing to make plans about how to support yourself. This could be something where you, if in, you previously had uh, like property or income that was merged with another person, like say for a marriage, uh, and let that marriage dissolves, you will have to make plans to support yourself without the support of that person. That could be one manifestation of this particular eclipse. There could just be something where you have had, uh, you know, some kind of merged energy with someone else where now you're going to have to kind of start slowly releasing that and finding new ways to support yourself. Um, you have Venus in the sixth house, okay, hosting the moon. So this is something where you're probably getting a lot of information about the work that you're going to have to do, the people that you work with or work for or that work for you. There could be conversations around that as well. Uh, Saturn is going to start moving direct in your 12th house, probably helping you to release some of the old narratives that may be uh, creating limiting beliefs or cr creating a sense of isolation or solitude. You may have to start moving out into the world a little bit more, Aries Rising, if you've been uh, hiding away from the world a little bit. Um, and it's, a, it's an important time to increase your own personal sovereignty with the North Node in the first house. Your own individuality and ability to move under your own power is increasing with this. So even though you might be losing some support from another party or something like that, it, it will ultimately lead to an increase in your feelings of like self-esteem, uh, personal, uh, being able to move under your own power. And those are things that are important to an Aries rising for the most part. So... Uh, if you look at the loss and from that lens, it's a, it's it's a, a lot easier to move forward again. And you've probably been going through some really difficult negotiations with Mercury and the Sun squared Pluto from the seventh to the tenth house. You know, with with a partner or within a job as well. Okay, Taurus rising to Taurus. This is another ang angular eclipse for our, another fixed sign friend. So there is the moon in the first opposing the sun in the seventh. So this could be an awareness of something that needs to be let go of within a partnership. Uh, there may be some difficult conversations about how you are merged with another person. And this could also be causing you to make plans about your own personal security, similar to Aries rising, but a little bit more about 
your personality versus just your resources, your character or your body as well. Like this could be uh, having to make plans, how to maybe you want to get in shape or maybe like your partner has some bad habits that you're aware, becoming aware of and you want to help release or that you just don't want to be a part of anymore. And those bad habits could lead to, you know, difficult health issues and you could be planning for getting healthy. You know, sometimes when we start separating from uh, someone who's influencing us to make poor choices, we can start to make better choices. And this this might be part of the the movement that happens with this as well. You could be plowing the field of your own life so that you are able to take care of the, your body, which is a really important for Taurus rising is to be able to to feed it properly. And I, and I don't just mean food. I mean, with like information, with uh, relationships, with habits, routines, all of those things are going to be the type of nourishment that you might need to to get clear about to be healthy moving forward. There is also probably some themes with children and or personal creativity that are feeding the moon on this eclipse. So you may have to make some difficult choices and decisions around either a, a child or, or how you pursue pleasure within your life. And then finally, Saturn is going to be moving direct in your 11th house. So you're probably getting a reality check around the people that you spend time with. Um, and sometimes when we change our desires around how we want to have, how we want to pursue habits and, and if we start to release people in our lives that are bringing us difficult experiences, we have to go find some new friends. We have to find new groups that, that will support the new choices that we want to make around being healthy and et cetera. So there might be uh, something where you're starting to let go of old friendships that aren't healthy um, and finding ones that new ones that are. Okay. And in with the nodes for Taurus rising here, this is a, a longer term experience of being able to know when to, when to rest and when to work. Uh, this is somewhat being released from some of the burdens that you've been carrying. Taurus can carry some really heavy burdens. Uh, they, they are endurers uh, where they kind of, if they get stuck in a bad situation, it's very difficult to get out of it. Um, but, but Uranus is shaking things up for you and, and the south node has been reducing some of your workload lately and hopefully releasing you from some bondages so you can get the rest that you need. Okay. Gemini rising. Gemini rising has uh, the sun and the moon across the 6th and 12th house axis. So there could be a focal point on the work that you do for other people that is taking you away from a sense of completion. It could be uh, an injury or an illness or a health issue that you're becoming aware of where you're having to let go of an old form or desire to deal with. You may need to make some plans to, to, to rest a little bit, Gemini Rising. There could be some... Maybe that health issue is, is contributing to 
doing less, which is okay. Like this is something that is uh, important to understand that doing less doesn't make us less of a person. Sometimes it's just part of the stage of life that we're in. Sometimes we have to slow down a little bit and let our body heal. Sometimes we have to compost activity so that we can have future fertility. If we're always pushing, 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 it's just like trying to grow food all year round and not letting the soil rest and regenerate. And eventually we just get burnt out. So this could be a time to rest. And Julene, our, our resident Gemini Rising is here. Nice to see you, friend. Hopefully, Julene, you are able to get the rest that you need at this eclipse. Uh, any any of that ringing true for you, Jolene? Any Any maybe health things that might be coming up that we're requiring letting go and doing less. I guess you don't, you don't have to tell us if that's not comfortable, but I always like hearing how these stories are manifesting for all of you. Um, Venus is going to be hosting the moon from the fourth house. So there could be a f some issues around home and family where we're coming into awareness of, of what needs to be reorganized within those spheres. And then finally, Saturn is going to be stationing direct in your 10th house. So there could be some movement within a career, maybe an ending, uh, maybe something where a dream about how you express yourself publicly has to be released, or there could be some a dream that is becoming real and concretized uh, as well. And in November 4th, that's going to start moving forward again and starting to help you to, to take on the responsibilities that are being given to you uh, as a Gemini rising right now. Now, one other thing to consider, Gemini Rising, is that Mercury is Kazemi today uh, in your fifth house. So there was probably some really important information that's been coming along around either your children or your creativity or how you seek pleasure within life. Um, and it could be bringing up some issues about uh, how you share resources with one another and maybe some power dynamics that, that aren't necessarily healthy uh, with the eighth house square to Pluto. But the good news is, is when you're when you're the ruler of your ascendant gets renewed in the heart of the sun, that can feel like a burst of energy. Jolene says, I'm actually feeling great these days. Last year was a health deal. I really hope nothing else pops up. Well, I hope so too, Jolene. I hope that that this is a good health year for you. Um, again, it's not always going to manifest as a health challenge with a sixth house, twelfth house thing. Sometimes sixth house can just be feeling overburdened by work and learning how to, to let go and to find places of peace and solitude as well. Excuse me. Okay, Cancer Rising. Cancer Rising has an eclipse over the 11th and the 5th house. All right, Stephen's taking off. Nice to see you, Stephen. Thanks for stopping by today. Um, so Cancer Rising has the sun bringing a big spotlight to their fifth house of maybe how they pursue pleasure, uh, maybe around children, um, maybe feeling a lot of feelings around that. Um, maybe there could be some sort of decrease around that particular issue potentially. Uh, maybe there is a lot of intense discussions about how to merge with another 
to to take care of the responsibilities related to that house, like what either child rearing or your own creative projects. Uh, it may be bringing you an awareness of what you need to do and the, the support system that you may need out in the world, the group that you may need to cultivate moving forward. Like let's say you're you're preparing to be a parent or something like that, and you could you really need need to to cultivate your support system around that. It could be like you have a creative project that you want to release and you're going to need the type of support system to help you market it, to help you promote it, or to help you put it out into the world. So this could be some of the plans that you might be making to be able to, to do something of that nature. Uh, there is Venus hosting this moon from the third house, really helping you to get clear about the types of daily habits and routines that will support your work out in the world as well. Saturn is going to be stationing direct in your ninth house. So this could also be giving you some insight into previous belief systems that were either keeping you in a state of limitation or that could potentially liberate you as Saturn is starting to move forward. You could see the concretization of your beliefs. You could see the concretization of a legal issue coming to a head. Uh, you just had an eclipse in your fourth house conjoining the south node. So there could be a need to reduce dependence on, on family or on, on an old way of thinking that is that you inherited and increase your ability to move under your own power out in the world as well. And there could be some could have been some challenging conversations over this this week and the course of this weekend with the squares from the fourth house to the seventh house with Mercury and the Sun and Pluto in the seventh and Capricorn. So Cancer Rising, always interesting for Cancer Risings, seeing uh, what happens at new and full moons. Because you are ruled by the moon, because the first house is ruled by the moon, the ascendant ruler is the moon. Eclipses are really powerful times for Cancer Risings. Um, so there is a lot of shakeups that happen, a lot of twists and turns of fate and fortune around this period of time, a lot of new chapters that are starting things to come into alignment with. Um, and I find as a Cancer Sun, you know, going with the flow and going with the changes that need to happen is just an important survival mechanism around these periods of time. I would say that eclipses kind of do us rather than us doing the eclipse type of thing, if that makes sense. Um, there are bigger, bigger gears that are turning at eclipses than normal. And we don't always have control over all of it. So you just kind of have to like weather the storm on some level around these times. And that's okay. That's, I mean, that's, that's life, right? As I said, the last live stream, most of you, depending how old you are, have been through many eclipses in your life. And here you are, you survived, right? So it is just another turning of the page. Okay, let's go to Leo rising. So Leo rising, here we have an angular eclipse, another one of our angular eclipse friends. Oh, just sighing heavily, sigh of Leo rising. The angular eclipses are hard. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, but for us Leo risings, we have it over the fourth and 10th house axis. Um, 
there we may be aware of a need to let go of something within our domestic sphere. Uh, maybe we're grieving the loss of of uh, someone in our family, potentially a, a, a home situation, a domestic situation. Uh, there could be uh, an awareness of and a grief around that. Uh, there could be some really intense, difficult conversations that ha that come up around your home. Uh, and there could be plans that need to be made about what you're going to be doing publicly, Leo Rising. Like, what do you need to do in response of accepting some of the changes that are happening within your home? What, how can you make plans for the future? Uh, you know, as a Leo Rising, I'm just kind of thinking about this. A lot of the themes lately have been what are my partner and I going to do after uh, our tenant has moved out? We had a, a tenant in our home. It's a duplex. And we had one that moved out in the summer, and we've been making a lot of plans about what we're going to do next. And we've been taking our sweet Taurus moon time about it, and now we're kind of having the, the rubbers meeting the road. So there's changes that are going to have to be made one way or the other. Uh, so I'm I'm definitely been making plans with my partner about how do we deal with this this domestic situation that we have where maybe this form isn't it isn't working in the form that we have it right now like with just nothing going on down there but uh, you know trying to figure out what ways to create abundance to be able to meet your responsibilities uh, there is venus hanging out in your second house so again this is bringing up issues about how you support yourself, resources, etc. Uh, the good news is that Saturn is going to be stationing direct in your eighth house of money of a partner or uh, the shared resources with another. So the confusion, uh, the reality check is going to start, the, the check is going to start to be cashed or whatever with the eighth house. Um, so there might start to be some clarity about what is or is not possible. Uh, with a shared resource with someone. Uh, okay. And good news, Leo Rising. As I said in the beginning of the, the stream today, it's Leo, Leo Rising's often struggle during Libra season um, because the ruler of our first house is in its fall and it's not a comfortable position for, for the sun to be in. So you might start to feel just a little burst of energy when the sun moves into Scorpio. I know from my from my point of view, Libra season is always one of the hardest ones. Now I I have a Cancer sun, so that means I'm at my sun square, which makes it extra difficult. And I also have Pluto in Libra, so it activates that part of my chart. So you may not have that in your chart if you're a fellow Leo rising, but the dignity of the planet that rules your ascendant is important. Just like Taurus and Libra risings will probably get a little bit of a boost when Venus moves out of its fall and into Libra, its domicile. That is one other thing that I, say, I will say that is important. We're going to have a few weeks in November where Venus is going to be in its own home domicile of Libra and Mars is going to be in its own home domicile of Scorpio. Really powerful positions for both of those planets. So it's kind of a, a time to really get some stuff done, you know, mid to late November uh, that might have real possibilities of, you know, working out well. 
Rachel says, Eclipse is doing us. I feel this, especially as a Cancer rising. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you're trying to do too many, if you're trying to make too many plans during an eclipse, oftentimes they turn out not necessarily how you were expecting. You can make all the intentions in the world during a new moon eclipse, but there are just larger forces at work during these periods of time. And just kind of riding the wave, riding the, the, the dragon wave, you know, is, is probably smarter than trying to assert your will over an eclipse. Um, there will be times for asserting our wills. There will be circumstances that are shown to us during eclipse periods that will require us to assert our will. But you kind of have to let the, the ingredients be revealed during this time period rather than than f feeling like you have to be the one that's, you know, putting everything into the pot. The world, the universe is going to put all the ingredients in the pot. Then you can cook it. <laughs> like, you know, you don't have to micromanage it, right? Um, okay. So hang in there, Leo Risings. Virgo Rising. Virgo Rising is going to be having a third house, ninth house eclipse. Michelle says, I didn't do anything for this, nor did I watch it. I hear some astrologers say, watch it and do manifesting rituals, but I decided not to with this being my notable return. Yeah, don't do manifesting rituals at the eclipse. I just, just don't. There's also, just don't charge your crystals up. Uh, don't do any of that stuff. Like normally in, in lunar times, it, it is an appropriate time to do those types of things, like lunations, new and full moons, etc. But during eclipses, there is a disruption that's happening from the nodes, and, and it is, it, they were considered somewhat malefic events in ancient times. Uh, that doesn't mean they always are going to be bad or horrible or things like that, but, but they definitely are fated. So when we think about the rituals that we're doing, we're trying to come to a place of empower, personal empowerment a lot of the time. And oftentimes the, the currents that we're trying to push against when we're doing things like a magical manifesting ritual are going to be much stronger than us during eclipse periods. And you can exhaust yourself trying to do that when the time is inappropriate. So it's, it's my recommendation to go with the currents of your life, to let the things be revealed to you so you don't exhaust yourself, so, you, so that you conserve some of your energy for being able to act when the time is appropriate. There will be things that are shown to you where you will have to respond to what the eclipse is showing you. But, you know, trying to, to dictate terms during eclipse period is, a, I think it's a fool's errand. Okay, Virgo rising. The sun is, is shining a bright spotlight on the third house of your chart. Uh, maybe there is an issue related to extended family like siblings or cousins or uncles or things of that nature. Could be a loss associated around with that. Um, there could also be something where you're identifying daily habits and routines that just aren't serving you anymore and you're having to make plans based on your higher belief system, based on taking an overview of your life and saying, what are the true values that are 
guiding my life and how can I change form to meet those values rather than getting attached to the form, right? Venus in your first house could be, you know, helping you to make the changes with your, your body or with your character that will lead to six further success in the future. Uh, you're having Saturn stationing direct in your seventh house, um, which could also lead to some hard truths and reality checks in a relationship and but the end of some confusion within a partnership as well. Saturn's really been reviewing our dreams lately and wherever it's been hanging out. And sometimes dreams help us to craft happy realities and sometimes our dreams are nightmarish and they, they keep us from manifesting the reality that we want if you talk about manifestation. Oftentimes we have to let go of a toxic belief or a toxic dream to be able to actually take the actions that will bring us true happiness. So this could be happening in the relationship corner of your life, Virgo rising right now. Uh, so hang in there. You too are dealing with a Mercury Kazemi today, ruling your chart from the second house. So there could be some really important financial information that you're getting this, this week and this weekend, um, but it could also be revealing some, some repressed things or some hidden things with the square to Pluto in your fifth house. So this is a good time to get to get real about how you're spending your money. Uh, it could be revealing something about how you seek pleasure, uh, but also maybe it could be related to like a, an issue if you have children or a creative project as well. Okay. Libra rising. So this is the, our last one. Libra rising. Libra rising is having a second and eighth house eclipse. There is a, an awareness of maybe a loss with income or something like a support system or something where you were, uh, how you were supporting yourself, resources. Uh, could be grieving a loss around that. You could be having an awareness of how some of your habits aren't serving you anymore or aren't supporting you. Um, you may have to start making plans about how to team up with another uh, to, to get to replace that support or something of that nature. Um, you just recently had a new moon eclipse on the south node in the first house. So there could be an awareness of uh, it's something that needed to begin to be let go of personally to be able to restore your harmony and your equilibrium and your balance. Uh, Venus is hosting this eclipse for you in the 12th house, so there could just be a need to really like rest, to let go, to have some solitude and some peace, potentially. Could be also dealing with a secret enemy or like a secret self-undoing or some kind of old uh, trauma that needs to be resolved before you can move forward. You will have Saturn be stationing direct in your sixth house. So there could be some kind of health, chronic health issue with Saturn. Saturn often in the sixth house is a, is a chronic issue, not something that's acute like Mars might be. Maybe there's a chronic health issue that starts to move forward or you get some clarity around it. Uh, there could also be uh, some clarity around s some a work issue or like somebody who works for you or the work that you're doing for someone else where you're, something's coming to completion as Saturn starts to station direct in your sixth house. 
Libra Rising also probably had a pretty difficult week here with the squares with the Sun and Mercury to Pluto from the first to the fourth house. So there could be some things where you that Kazemi revealed some ideas that you have personally that could be bringing up challenges with your family or with your home or your domestic situation that's revealing something that has been repressed with that as well. So hang in there, Libra Rising. Keep in mind that Venus is in its fall right now, and it's in the 12th house, and it's going to come into Libra in a week or two, um, and that's going to be a big improvement for your, probably for your mental health at this point, okay? So hang in there. This too shall pass, and we'll get through it together. Okay, so that is the eclipse through the houses. I think I got through all of them. So as we do on this channel... I like to give you an I Ching and an animal to help guide you through the changes. So let's bring up the I Ching for this week or for this eclipse. So I always ask, what is the essence of this lunation? So what is the essence of the full moon eclipse in Taurus 1 in 2023? And I got hexagram number 37, which is the family. So this hexagram speaks about knowing your role within the community, playing your part, loyalty, uh, knowing how to manifest strong leadership within a family as well. Okay. So and there was three changing lines. Uh, the first changing line, I'm going to read these changing lines for you. This is from a, a different translation than I normally use. And I just wanted to shake it up a little bit. First line says, if all is to go well in a relationship, your expectations need to be clearly defined. A child needs clear, loving kindness and firmness to grow up with discipline. If the parents do not instill this message from the first, they will have cause to regret when it comes, when to, cause to regret in when the child they are raising is out of control. So this line is talking about having you know, healthy leadership. I'm, I'm reminded of the story I told at the beginning of the live stream with an assistant coach who had been a longtime assistant coach who wasn't meshing with a brand new leader of a championship caliber team. And it, it just didn't work. Like there needed to be strong leadership where everyone was in alignment with the same vision. So this eclipse could be getting in alignment with a singular vision and having good leadership and being able to establish the ground rules that you need to move forward to plan for your future success. The next changing line says, the people do not fear their leader, the head of the household, perhaps the father, in parentheses, because he is kind and treats them fairly. This kind of relationship leads to good fortune for everyone. So this is encouraging us to utilize our kindness, to utilize our ability to have compassion for those that we're leading rather than leading with too heavy of a hand. And then finally, it says, you have a very caring personality with a good sense of ethics and responsibility towards others. This makes you a respected member of society. There will be good fortune to you and your dependents. People come to you for advice. So this really talks about the result of, of healthy leadership, of everybody playing their part, uh, of when you stick to your, your ethics, when you stick to your uh, guiding lights, um, everyone wins, right? If you do things above board, when you let go of things that aren't giving you vitality anymore, that can lead to enthusiasm and inspiration for something new. Like I said, in Scorpio, hanging on to old forms that aren't serving you 
can lead to the greatest challenges, can lead to the, the being out of our integrity. Because nature has its own idea of timing, that Kairos moment, being able to, to catch Kairos. You know, Kairos had a lock of hair on his forehead that you could only catch at the right moment. Not even Zeus himself could catch Kairos from behind. So if you're trying to catch that moment when it's already passed, there are things that you will try to do that will be out of alignment with who you are and, and what you should be doing. So if the moment has passed, let it pass. The, 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 heart, the harder you fight to hang on to something that has, is dying, the dying of the light, the worse it can get. Okay, so this is changing the hexagram number 15, which is modesty. And this talks about, this is one of the, the great virtues of the I Ching, is staying modest, it's humbling ourselves, it's staying humble. Staying humble oftentimes means accepting that something has been past its prime, right? That accepting that we need to let go. We become arrogant when we try to fight against, and we become hub, hubristic when we try to fight against the cycles of nature themselves. So, so stay modest, stay realistic about your abilities, about your situation, your options. Try not to, to aim too high so that you don't experience that fall from grace from, from that hubristic vision. And stay peaceful. Stay in service of the people in your community, and that will lead you to success. Now, the animal. I pulled for you for this eclipse. This was really interesting to me because this is an animal that I think is appropriate for eclipse season. I got the grasshopper. And the grasshopper is, is an animal that speaks towards, first of all, taking great leaps, you know, being able to like be still in one moment and then jump great distances out of the blue. And I think oftentimes that's what eclipse season does for us. We may seem, it may seem like nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, bam, everything's different. Um, and it happens very quickly. And we may be able to leap great distances in a very short period of time. So this, this could be something that uh, could be a dramatic positive change in your life. The moon is exalted during this eclipse. So I like that for an eclipse. I like that when the moon is in good shape, you know, being able to react with proper planning to the changes in your life could be very fruitful moving forward. So grasshopper helps us get unstuck. This is something where we need to, to really be clear about the ruts that we're in and how we need to make a new start. And we need to leap past our obstacles sometimes. Grasshopper also speaks to being a unique individual. There are over a thousand types of grasshoppers in the world. And each one of them has their own individual and unique song. So you need to be able to sing your own individual unique song during this period of time as well. Um, grasshoppers, they eat 16 times their weight every day. They eat a lot. So sometimes grasshopper can be a message to, to pay attention to what you're consuming, pay attention to what you're eating, especially like when we are dealing with decans associated with hunger, right? So maybe pay attention to what we're consuming, whether it's physically or spiritually or mentally. Grasshopper can also talk about jumping out of the way of danger. That's how they avoid pred 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 predation. There you go. Easy for you to say. Uh, sometimes we have to leap out of the way of a problem, and that might be something that could lead us to success during this period as well. All right, my friends. 
that is what I've got for you today. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been wonderful spending time with you. We're coming in right at the two-hour mark again. I love it. Uh, if you were enjoying the work that we did today, please do me a huge favor. Please like the video. Please subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to the Spencer Michelle Astrology Newsletter. Support Tanya Andrews at Third Coast Mojo, who has new stuff. Uh, buy my webinars. Libra, Libra Deccan's webinar is on sale right now. Scorpio webinar is on sale a little bit early. And there's some other stuff with tarot for sale. Uh, well, that is for sale at my store at spencermichaud.com. Reach out for a reading. If you need additional guidance, my books are open. Uh, <laughs> there's my cat in the background saying, it's time for you to feed us. <laughs> they know exactly what I'm about to end these live streams. Um, but have a great week. Have a great eclipse season. Remember that there will be a few days of void, of course, moon before the eclipse. So just take it easy during those times leading up to the eclipse. Try not to make major decisions from probably Wednesday up until the eclipse. And um, yeah, be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. If you want to make a material donation and support the work that I do, there's a dollar sign in the chat where you can make a donation here. Or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. All right, my friends. Hang in there. Have a great beginning to the NBA season that starts next week. Hopefully you're enjoying your sport or recreation of choice. And uh, live into the changes. Go with the flow. You know, come into alignment with the currents of your life. Release those old forms. Liberate the energy that is stuck. And it'll find a new, new place. It'll find a new form. It'll find a new inspiring vision. That's what I've got for you. Remember to be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. Kindness is different than nice. Remember, that's important. You don't have to be a pushover to be kind. But thinking about things and how it fits into the greater good and the greater whole, that's true kindness. And that's, that's really a way to, to live your life. So that's what I've got for you today. Take care, my friends. And I will see you next week for the astrology of November. My goodness, already. See you next time, friends. Peace.